Hello, and welcome once again to this episode of Dallas Christian College's Leadership Podcast. I host Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here, and we are continuing our discussion from last week on the importance and the need for biblical education in the church. Today, I'm joined with the chair of our Bible department here at DCC, Dr. Mark Halen, as well as Mr. Mark Worley, the Vice President for Institutional Advancement. Both have done extensive teaching and research in this topic and have done a lot with educating our students. And so today, we're gonna look at some practical applications. And Mark, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Yeah, thanks, Scott. That's exactly it. Uh, you know, last episode, we kind of had a cliffhanger where we were talking about the need for deep biblical study. And then we ended with that with saying, OK, what are some practical aspects? How can somebody really dig deep into the word of God? And so, Dr. Halen, you uh, teed it up uh, last episode. So how does somebody really go deep in, uh, in their Bible study? Okay, well, the first thing you may want to do is to examine what Bible you're using. Um, and here the temptation is, what's the best translation? That's a bad question. Uh, the, the proper question to ask is, what is the best translation to use for what I'm trying to accomplish? Uh, the best translation to use if you're teaching the high school youth group may be a different translation than you use when you're doing your personal Bible study. The best translation to use when you're doing a deep study of a particular topic, a particular text, may be a different translation than you use for just your personal Bible study while I'm just trying to gain knowledge of Scripture. And so the first first thing you want to do is choose a translation that is easy for you to read and understand and easy for you to read large swaths of scripture in because if you want to engage in scripture you want to learn the scripture you're going to, have to read chapters at a time and if you struggle through like literal translations like the ESV can sometimes be hard to read and comprehend especially if English is your second language if if you're just not that good of a reader so you may want to think about reading something that's a little bit more in the translation spectrum. It's called dynamic equivalent translation, like the New Living Translation or the Good News Bible, something like that. Uh, you may also want to consider whether you want to listen to Scripture as you read it. Uh, that, If you're not that great of a reader, that may help you if you're listening to someone reading the same Bible that you're looking at with your right. eyes, or even to listen if, if time is one of those issues. If you've got that half-hour commute to work, maybe you can listen to the Bible, you know, uh, in, in audio version. So you start with choosing a translation that is, that is fit for you. Um, another thing uh, you, you should should do is simply learn to read the Bible like it's a book. It has beginning, a middle, and an end, and the books have beginning, middle, and end. I'm not saying start in Genesis and end, end in Revelation necessarily, but at least go at books like they're books, beginning, middle, and end, uh, instead of parachuting in. It's amazing, and then have a notebook, if you can, have a notebook, even if you're listening, listening to it. 
uh, on audio uh, on the way to work. Maybe have a notebook that once you're out of the car, you can scribble down something that you notice. Yes, please something wait until you're you, out of the car. Yeah, write, write, <laughs> write things down. That way they become embedded in your memory. Okay, so you be, you'll read books. Use a study Bible. Maybe get, get hold of a good study Bible, like the ESV study Bible, the NIV study Bible, the uh, Christian Standard Bible study Bible. Uh, get a st- I'm not talking about one of these devotional Bibles like the you know you know the women's devotional Bible or the you know athletes devotional Bible. I'm talking about a study Bible that has introductions to Bible books where you can get a big view of the book before you dive in. And then uh, the final thing I would say about reading the Bible like it's like their books. It's a library of 66 books. Reading the books like their books is an excellent resource is the is the Bible Project. Uh, their read scripture series at the Bible Project. They they go over whole books and they have these wonderful graphics where they lay out the plan and the themes in the books. And after you watch it, you go, okay, this is kinda it's kinda like this is what I'm looking for. This is this is these are some things I can hang my hat on, okay, as I'm reading. I can be watching for this. And when you're reading with a strategy, when you're looking for things in the text, the amazing thing that happens is often you begin seeing other things that you weren't looking for. But because you begin with a strategy, instead of just, I'm just going to read, okay, you begin with a strategy, it helps you to learn things and to pick up things. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times people in Bible reading, they just start with Genesis, and sometimes that's 58 chapters, and they... They're like, oh, wow, okay. 50 chapters. Yeah. 50. Uh, so so they're just like, wow, okay, I, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I love that idea. Or sometimes they just open the Bible and, and, okay, this is the verse for the day. I would recommend you start with a small book. Yes. Start start maybe with the Gospel of Mark. That way you're engaging with Jesus. Yeah. Okay, and it's 16 chapters, most of which are short. Uh, small book like Philippians. Colossians, perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, and and you'll kind of kind of get your strength up. You know, it's kind of like stretching. You know, conditioning. Okay. Uh, and then then take on uh, larger larger uh, books, longer books. Um, the other other tools that you need to get hold of are Bible dictionaries. Now there are a lot of good print Bible dictionaries. You can go to the book bookstore. You can go to Amazon. You can buy. Bible dictionaries like, you know, Zondervan Bible Dictionary, the Holman Bible Dictionary. But you don't have to spend a lot of money to engage with Bible dictionaries because there are a lot of good ones online. One of the best repositories for free Bible study stuff is studylight.org, and that's S-T-U-D-Y, studylight, L-I-G-H-T, studylight.org. And when you go to studylight.org, there's a tab for um, Bible dictionaries. There's also another tab for encyclopedias. But you go to the Bible Study Tools tab, I should say, and then at the Bible Study Tools tab at Study Light, you go to Bible Dictionaries, and there are like three or four that I would recommend highly. There's the Holman Bible Dictionary, Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. So kind of look for Baker's and Evangelical as you're looking there. Bridgeway Bible Dictionary. Those three Bible dictionaries are going to be 
very easily understood and and pretty extensive. Um, by the way, that by uh, print I mentioned Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, Baker Illustrated Bible Dictionary, what's called the New Bible Dictionary, and the NIV Compact Dictionary of the Bible would be some others. Uh, but go in, and when you come across a person, a place, or a thing, look it up. That's what, sometimes I think we need to slow down a little bit and, and take the time when we encounter people, places, and things that we're not familiar, familiar with in the text. So you, you're reading along in a text, and it says this thing happened in Shechem. Well, you, you read, do a quick read on the article in Shechem, and you discover that's the first place Abraham came to when he came into Canaan. That may, that may mean something in this text. The author said this happened at Shechem, and he, he expects his readers to connect the dots. We have to do the work of connecting the dots using uh, Bible dictionaries and Bible encyclopedias. Yeah, and by the way, we, we'll have links or mm-hmm. we'll yeah. have information on this at the, uh, on, the, on the site, so please uh, be sure to take a look. There's a lot of wealth of information that Dr. Halen's giving. And when I talk about translation, too, uh, a place you can go, Bible Gateway, yep. you know, has a myriad of Bible translations, so you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of paper ones. In the old days, that's what you had to do. <laughs> yes. uh, also on Bible Gateway, there's a tool where you can line up translations side by side so you can compare them. Also, there's a tool called Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.org. It has a tool where you can compare translations. It also, in that tool, you can go in and you can like click on words and you can see what the he in, in what's called the interlinear tool. You can go in and you can look at what's the Greek word that was used here in the New Testament, what's the Hebrew Old Testament word that's used here, and then you can open up a dictionary uh, article that talks about those words. So you can get a because the Bible wasn't written in English. And so you to get into the meaning of words, you have to sometimes do some work in a Hebrew lexicon dictionary or Greek lexicon dictionary. Uh, Mark, when, when people hear that, they're like, oh, Greek way, everybody says that's so difficult, Hebrew, no way. But these tools are, are capable of helping you find the backgrounds of those words. Yeah, and, and, and you'll find... Some tools, yeah, there are going to be things that you're not going to understand when you when you look at it. You're not going to be able to read like the Greek, or this comes from this Greek. But you read these tools. You use these tools to find what you can find. Not to discover how much you don't know, but to learn what you can learn. And by the way, that's pretty much how we did all our education. We were in second grade, and there are a lot of things we didn't understand about mathematics in second grade. Well, you began with what you knew, and you grew. And before long, voila, you were doing long division. You were doing multiplication, okay? And so that's the way you have to go at all tools. What can I learn from this tool? And then after I learn certain things, then I begin to understand more things. Yeah, Mark, could you give an example like, okay, in an interlinear, you see a Greek word, and you take a look at that. Can you give it like an example of how, how does that help you in your understanding? Okay, here's, here's, here's the first big thing you can learn from interlinear. You learn the order in which a sentence occurs. If you look at an interlinear, 
it shows you they'll usually have like the Greek or the Hebrew words, and then there's usually a transliteration, especially these online interlinears. There's a transliteration of the Hebrew and Greek word. But you see the sentence structure. And one of the key things is both in in let me back up. In Greek, excuse me, in English, word order is part of our syntax. We usually put our subjects first, followed by the verbs, followed by a direct object. In both Hebrew and Greek, they are inflected languages. That means the words can come in any order because its function in a sentence is determined by the word form, by endings, by prefixes, by infixes, by all kinds of things. But what you can see in the interlinear is what order is this word in the sentence. Because generally, both in the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, that which comes earlier in the sentence or the phrase is being emphasized. So one of the interesting things that you can see in the interlinear that you cannot see in the English Bible is what the author was actually emphasizing by looking at the order. And that, that is fascinating and sometimes significant. You know, in the last podcast I talked about some things are interesting, some things are significant. That can be both interesting and significant, what the author has emphasized. You know, is it, for instance, in the Psalms, an opening line is often, the Lord reigns, Yahweh reigns. Sometimes it's Yahweh reigns. In Hebrew, the subject is a lot of times after the verb, but the subject is in the front. Yahweh reigns. It's Yahweh who reigns, not someone else. Sometimes it's reigns comes first. Reigning is Yahweh. And when you read the rest of the psalm, you go, this is why this thing was emphasized, not that thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, some, some people out there might be saying, okay, I, <clears throat> you know, I— I'm afraid of. Uh, are there are there different translations like you, you know, the comparison? Are there different translations that I should avoid, or, or commentaries that I should avoid? How how do I how do I take a look at that, or do I just uh, you know read up on them? Yeah, you you can you can read up on them. You know, you know avoid the New World Translation because that's <laughs> done by Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Bible translation, I, I don't get scared the way many people get scared. If, if, you, if you are comparing translations, if you don't marry yourself to a translation, you're probably not going to get in trouble because you picked a certain translation. Uh, the most dangerous translation is the one that's never read. <laughs> the most dangerous Bible oh, wow. is one that's that so is good. never read. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> If if you begin reading the Bible, and then when you when you start you know when you get into those topics where there's theological discussion and debate, well that's going to come up. That's going to come up, and you're going to have the ability to look and to compare translations. Come you know see what so and so says, what so and so says. But now you actually have the wherewithal to engage critically in that discussion, because you've been reading the Bible, period. What happens in, in a lot of cases is people wade into these topics and say, okay, so what do you think about this topic? And it's like, in order to critically engage in that discussion, you already have to be engaged in the Bible. And if you have not already 
been reading in the Bible and know a little bit about the Bible already, then we're back to where we kind of started. I'm picking between sages on the stage. And my rationale for picking this sage versus that sage may have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. It's about the personal relationship I have with that sage. Or this sage on the stage is more famous than the other sage on the stage. Well, that can be quite dangerous, okay? So, so you cannot engage in Bible study with the fear of interpreting it incorrectly. I've, I've encountered students who, I'm not engaged in Bible study because I'm afraid that when I engage in Bible study, I'll misinterpret it. Well, you're not doing anything with the Bible right now. <laughs> so so yeah. I think that's more dangerous than misinterpretation because once you engage in discussion, there are plenty of people who can help you disengage with misinterpretation. Uh, but if you're not engaged at all, Nothing good can come. Plenty of good can come once you are engaged in Scripture. Well, let's talk about that for a second, uh, because, uh, yeah, once you're in the Bible, uh, man, there's things that I, I'm fortunate. I'm here, I work here at Dallas Christian College. If I see something in the Old Testament I, I, I don't understand in Kings or whatever, uh, you know, I can remember, Dr. Halen, the, the evil that came into Saul. And I, I ask you about that because I didn't understand. So, so where... I mean, I think the Bible study is, uh, the dictionaries is absolutely a great way to go and, and comparing the text. But maybe they hit, a, they hit a bump in the road. Where are some practical ways, uh, places they can go? Well, we go back to tools. Um, a good study Bible will get you down the road. Right. A really good study Bible will if there's a problem in the text or it's a major issue that people have thought differently about often a good study bible will just make that clear we'll say some people understand this text this way other people understand it this way okay and and that at least gives you a clue that there's you know not monolithic understanding of this text you know so a good study bible uh the same place that we talked about earlier studylight.org has has a plethora of commentaries that you can go to. Some because, you know, some things are in public domain because they're very old, and so you have to wade through old English and such. But um, when it comes to, you know, commentaries uh, on Bible Gateway, BibleGateway.com, at their Study Tools tab, you go Study Tools, then More Resources, and then you go to Commentaries. It's a path. you got to go down the path. But then there's the Theology of Work Bible Commentary, which, by the way, is not that big on explaining big theological things, but it's really great for how does the Bible intersect my life, the Theology of Work Bible Commentary. The IVP New Testament Commentary Series, that is an excellent, yes. very understandable series. Uh, Matthew Henry's Concise Bible Commentary, the Asbury Bible Commentary is there. At studylight.org, there's the Bible Study Tools tab. Once you get there, it's pretty self-explanatory. You go to Commentaries, and there there's like 26, 30 of them. Uh, ones that I might recommend are the Bridgeway Bible Commentary, Kaufman's Commentary on the Bible, 
expository notes by Thomas Constable, uh, an old classic through the Bible by J. Vernon McGee, Kyle and Delitz commentary on the Old Testament. You got to wade through, you know, there's Hebrew there, but you can understand most of it. Adam Clark, old English stuff. Again, I wouldn't agree with everything that's on any of these sites at any of these commentaries, but one of the things you do, and here's a key rule of Bob's, is always read more than one commentary. You do that for a couple reasons. Yes. Number one, uh, one commentary may be more detailed than the other. Okay, and so you're going to pick up stuff that this guy, the a commentary A, did not cover. By reading two or three commentaries, you then discover when there's difference of opinion. Now, I think a credible commentary, when there's a been a, a swath of difference of opinion, they're gonna they're not just gonna present their own view, they're gonna present That's other right. views. That's exactly right. And and if you begin to see that one commentary tends to just say this is the way it is and doesn't let you in on there are other ways that this has been looked at. That becomes a clue to you. Maybe I need to maybe not use this commentary or use it very cautiously because he's not upfront and honest about when their credible believers looking at the same Bible have understood things differently. Well, we've got to wrap this up, but I'll tell you what, I know of one incredible commentary on, uh, in the Old Testament. It's written by a guy named Dr. Mark Halen. So if you have a chance, <laughs> pick that up. Uh, That's Nahum through Malachi. It's not just me. It's my colleague, Clay Ham that taught here. <laughs> so, I, and I want to just pick up for real quick on the, the thing I took away was the idea of slowing down. Uh, I will never forget when I had a when I was teaching piano here a few years ago, Dr. Halen, a student came to me and said, Mr. Spees, how long will it take me to learn to play the piano like you? <laughs> and I thought about it, and I said, well, it's going to take 36 years. And they looked at me, and I said, no, really. I mean, I said 36 years because I started playing the piano when I was 10. You mean I can't learn it in six months? Can't you teach? I said, no. I said... <laughs> It's process, and I really appreciate that because I, I think a lot of us get discouraged in our microwave world that, okay, I, I've studied the Bible for a month, and, and I haven't figured it all out. And, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, what I know now at my age at 58 and what I knew at 18 and 28 and 38 or 48 are vastly different. And so I really appreciate yes. that, the idea of, of opening the Bible and starting somewhere. Um, I, I, I really like that, but I appreciate the fact that it is a process, and, and God's Word is always at work. So thank you for sharing. We're going to have these resources available here with this podcast, and so I encourage you to check those out. If you are interested in learning more about a, a Christian higher education, Dallas Christian College is a great place for that. We are uh, sending out workers for the harvest, and we're changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And we'd love for you to check us out at www.dallas.edu. Thank you, Dr. Halen. Thank you, Mr. Worley. You all stay safe, take care out there, and we will catch you next time at the DCC Leadership Podcast.